Welcome to the Inspiration Accelerator, hosted by Michael Sonberg, founder and CEO of Rebel Culture and Skyrocket Education. Each week, we'll talk to a different, inspiring person in the world of leadership, personal development, career, family, fitness, and beyond. Buckle up for the Inspiration Accelerator. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Inspiration Accelerator. Once again, I'm here with a person who is going to inspire the you-know-what out of you all. Her name is Dr. Amber Langley-Gill, and I'm going to bring her out in a moment. But before I do, I want to share this, uh, this pretty cool story. So I was at a retreat uh, through a coaching program that I'm in. I was in the, the woods of North Georgia last week for, uh, for three days. And one of the exercises that they had us do was to write our own personal, personal mission statement. And they gave us training on, on how to do that. Uh, and you know, I, I coach uh, school leaders and business leaders all the time on their work. Uh, and organizational and team mission statements, but I'd never sat down and written my own personal mission statement. And so they trained us on uh, they trained us on an approach, and uh, then they brought us out into the middle of the woods and left us individually, not together. Everybody was in a different spot. So, and you, you couldn't, you had no idea where anybody else was. They brought us to the middle of the woods and just left us there to write our mission statements. And they told us, you can't leave your, uh, you can't leave your spot. And uh, you have no, you have no idea how long you're going to be here. We'll come get you when the time is over. Uh, and by the way, we we left the. They made us leave our phones and our watches, any technology back at kind of the, the base camp. And so now we're in the middle of the woods, and it's a really surreal experience. First thing I noticed is that I reached for my phone, which wasn't in my pocket, but I reached for it a dozen times in the first thirty minutes, maybe more, uh, because it's just such a reflex to look at my phone all the time, which that was really. Uh, eye-opening for me, just how addicted I am to my tech. The other thing that uh, happened was uh, I found the quiet really, um, while at first it was a little odd to just have nobody around, uh, and I, you know, I experience a little bit of this when I'm running, and I'm going to talk to our guest today because she's done some serious serious running experience some of it when i'm running but it always feels like you know um i can end the silence i can knock on a door every once in a while you see somebody pass by this was a really different experience of just nothing and no one i had this moment that i have to share where i uh i channeled my son my son teddy who i've talked about on the show before who, uh, you know, he, he's nonverbal, he has autism, which you all know. And I found myself just watching things, the leaves in the trees, the ants on the ground, um, the stones all around me. Uh, and I just felt like for a little while I was inside his head because 
I was able to look at all these things and see them, but there was nobody to talk to about it. And so I didn't talk and I just looked and I watched and it was a really incredible and moving experience. Uh, they left us out there for a few hours. I spent, you know, the first 90% of it just being by myself and not writing a word. Um, but I got a pretty cool uh, draft after that. Anyway, I've talked to my team at, at Skyrocket Education about just the, uh, this idea of quiet. And I've challenged them, and I'll challenge you all to do the same, as to, you don't need to go to the middle of the woods, but, uh, you know, put your, leave your phone somewhere and tell people where you're going, by the way. <laughs> so make sure that folks know where you are, but leave your phone, leave your watch, go somewhere for a couple hours uh, and just think uh, or write. Um, and go somewhere where there's no noise. I came back from that feeling so incredibly refreshed and engaged, and um, I think I'm going to do that more often. Uh, all right, folks, our guest today, she's going to blow your mind, uh, and she's done some things that have, like, when she's told me about it, she has some things coming up that are going to blow your minds, uh, but uh, I'll let her tell you about that. Her name is Dr. Amber Langley Gill. She is an author. She's the founder of Biohacker Babe Academy. She's also a content strategist. She's formerly an emergency critical care veterinarian, uh, but she uh, shifted her focus from veterinary medicine to brain and gut health when her twins were born prematurely. Uh, she is she coaches high level women entrepreneurs to master their time and energy through biohacking. Uh, and she's also an endurance athlete. And endurance athlete is almost an understatement. Amber, welcome to the Inspiration Accelerator. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So thank you so much for having me. All right, Amber, we've got to start with, well, I don't even know where to start with you because there's so much going on here. I want to start with the endurance stuff. So sure. I'm going to go there. Well, talk to us about how you got into endurance athletics, and what are some of the uh, what are some of the the events that you've taken on, and what are some of the ones that are coming up? Yeah, so I've always been drawn to running, and I say that, but I don't necessarily love to run. <laughs> um, mm. I love where my mind goes with running. I love where. Um, the like feeling my body being able to run. I grew up in a small, small community in Louisiana with two older sisters that were confined to wheelchairs. Mm -hmm. And I just always had this appreciation that um, my body can do it. Right. And I loved feeling the pain that came with running, which sounds aggressive, but I love knowing that I was able to push myself um, in that capacity. And so Growing up, always was drawn to it, but never, never competed in any races until I was actually in vet school. And I remember sitting in large animal medicine class and there was my classmate was there and she was talking about this race that she was going to do. And it was 150 miles. It was across the Sahara Desert. And she was talking about it. And I was like, she was like, does anybody want to do it with me? And I looked at her and I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I was like, why not? I was like, when is it? And she's like, well, we graduated in May and it was going to be in September. And at the time I was newly married and I called my husband because we were living in different countries at the time. And I was like, hey, I was like, what do you think about me going to Egypt and running across the desert just a couple of miles? And he was like, that's what you want to do. Um, and so I didn't really necessarily train for it. I do not recommend this at all. I think the longest distance I ran at that point when I got to that starting line in the Sahara was five miles. I was- So hold on, hold on. I need to interrupt you here. So I just want to be clear. Yeah. The the, the longest you'd ever run up to this point was five five miles miles at one time. Yes. You then agreed to run a 150 mile race across the Sahara Desert. How How hot was it? That was one thing I wouldn't let them tell me. Um, and that was part of my like my strategy. I didn't want to know um, how far I had left. And I didn't want to know how hot it was. Because every time we would, here's the other part, is that you had to carry your equipment, right? Except for water, you would meet certain stations along the desert. It's kind of like your own little oasis. And they would pop up and give you water. And they would always tell you like, oh my God, do you know how hot it is? We're having record. I was like, I don't want to know. I'm staying in my little bubble. I just got to keep going. Um, it feels like they should be coached not to be saying that to people. Right? <laughs> well, they're trying to be beneficial. The worst part of the whole race, I think, was whenever, um, when we got there, you had to get in this little in this little bus. And by the way, I had the heaviest backpack because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know what to pack. <laughs> and it was like 20 kilograms. It was insane. Um, and I remember we got on a bus and we get on the bus, we could drive two hours and then we all get in the back of like Jeeps and we go another, you know, hour or so. And I remember the doctor on in the Jeep was like, listen, when you get to this race, there's going to be like some scorpions. There's going to be <laughs> rattlesnakes. She's like, a bite or sting will kill you in four hours. It takes a helicopter to four hours to get you. You will be dead by the time you get to the hospital. So don't get bit or stung. And I remember thinking, <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm yeah. going to die. Like, this is this is the end of Amber. I like, um, but I realized, like, during the race, I was not qualified to be there. I was had no business being there. It was hot. I didn't have adequate training. I had this huge backpack. And in that moment, I was like, I had my sister, um, one of my sisters passed away. Um, And so I had her photo on my backpack. And I just remember thinking like, Emily, like, I'm going to die. This is it. I'm doing this for you because like, like I'm, she just inspired me to always move my body and push myself. And it was, I remember running and thinking it's all mental. Like my brain is capable of so much more, like my body is capable of so much more before it, like once it wants to get up, give out, right. Like there's more in me after my willpower goes after, like, I feel exhausted. There's still more in me. I just have to switch my mindset. And so there were certain things I wouldn't allow myself to think about. I wouldn't allow other runners or aides or volunteers to say to me. And I just 
kept my head down and crossed the finish line. So that was my first race ever. Um, and then my second race, I, I, so I love to run and I do these big running. Well, wait, but hold on. Let me, let me pause you for one second. Cause this is like, you, you, <laughs> so you, fin- you finished the 150 miles. Yep. I and... came first in my division, by the way. You came yeah. in first. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I was the only one, but I came in first in my division. So I feel like that's good. I got this big crystal, um, not crystal. It's like this glass plaque, um, of the, the, oh, what, the pyramids. So Yeah. I came in first my <laughs> You're landing on something that is, um, you know, for me, it's a huge challenge. I, I know for many of our listeners, it's a huge challenge that that mental aspect, the idea that your body can keep doing it, yeah. but your mind is looking for an out. I'm reading a book right now called Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus. and um, there's some science behind that, that we look for. Oh, you want to tap look, out. Yeah. You want to tap out. Right. And you want, you're looking for anything when you start to get into that, you know, exhausted, uh, extended mode, anything to end it. And that there's something that you have, I don't have it yet. I have a little bit of it. You have it that like, no, I'm going to do 150 miles in the middle of the scorpion and rattlesnake filled desert Yeah, um, because I can, because I said I would. And so like, what is that? Cause you, you've said stuff, you know, we're in a coaching group together and you've said things like that before you said, you've said things to me and to others, like, you know, I can't wait to see who, sh- who you show up as. Uh, and I can't wait to see who you are at the end of that thing. What is that? What is that mental strength? Where does it come from for you? So I feel like it's two parts, right? Yeah. The first part I think is um, I have a very strong faith and I feel like if there is a vision on my heart, if there is a dream that um, that pops into my head and that I want to take action, I, without a doubt, believe that God has given me the talents and mm. the um, capability, the resources, whether it's talking to you and having a conversation, like he puts everything in my path for me to succeed. All mm. I need to do is show up and do the work. I don't need to know how it's going to happen. I just need to have faith that it's going to come to fruition. And mm. so I think that's really um, big for me because I don't have that fear of not finishing. I know without a doubt, I will be able to complete it. It may not be pretty. It may be messy as I'll get out, but I know that it's going to come. And the second thing is, yeah, we all have um, things that pop up whenever we get into that, what people call the pain cave, right? And Or, and I, I have a way to address pain, but we could talk about that later. Um, but there's different, like you have things that come up. You have that negative chatter box that pops up into your head whenever you're uncomfortable, whether it's in a race or a business meeting or it, having a conversation with someone. And 
you have the capability of shutting it down, right? Everybody yeah. says like that you're the one that's giving yourself the negative chatter. You can close that chatter box. But at the same time is when those things happen and I have those negative things, I, my brain, like I will start making compromises like, and I can hear mm. it. And I'm like, you know, Amber, it's, you know, if you just go 30 more minutes and stop, no one's going to know. Yeah. No one's going to know if you stop, if you take a break, if you don't do, you know, all those push-ups that you promised Michael you'd be doing, like no one's going <laughs> to know that you're not doing it. And once I start making those compromises with myself in my head, I'm like, I'll know. I'll know. I'll know. And I think that's the biggest thing is like having having that integrity with yourself. Because if I can't have integrity with myself, I can't have it with someone else. If I can't trust myself, my husband can't trust me. My kids can't trust me. My clients can't. And so like, who do I want to show up as? Like, like who is that version of me that overcame all these obstacles, the pain, the negative chatter, like what came up for me in those moments? What was I thinking about and how did I overcome them? I think when I think about events that I put myself through, I get excited about who that person is because I'm, I'm not her at this moment, but I will Mm. be. And so I think it's two parts. I think it's knowing that God gave you the talents and then just having integrity with yourself. What is the, uh, I'm brilliant, by the way. And it's just like, I'm like, I'm, I'm part, I'm partly speechless because that's so, so powerful. Both of those pieces. What is the, you know, I find that extreme levels of discipline are hard for me to stick to consistently. And that one of the reasons why I've never really been an endurance athlete before the last, you know, year or so uh, is because I like to do things that don't take a lot of time. You know, you tell me I've got to do, I used to do this challenge every Father's Day where I'd see how many burpees I could do in an hour. Uh, (laughs) And the goal was that I would just try and do one more burpee than the previous year. I'd, I'd heard about an actor named Martin Mull who is in his late 70s by now, so he no longer does this, but he was a, a high school field goal kicker, a football field goal kicker, may have even been in college. And every year he kicked a field goal that was uh, equivalent yards, the equivalent yards to his age. So when he was 41, he kicked a 41-yard field goal, 42, 42, et cetera. So obviously he has to train in the interim to make sure he's able to, to do that. Like I said, he's, he's now you know much older and, and you know, he'd, he'd He'd be kicking the longest field goals in sports history if he was still doing it. But I, for me, it was like, yeah, I'm going to try and do one more burpee than the year before. But for me, like the way my brain is wired, an hour of burpees is like, that's my sweet spot. Like you can't, I can't get any more excited than that because it's fast and it's physical and it's, it's violent, uh, but it's also over soon. Um, you know, an hour might seem like a really long time, but uh, I promise you, you know, if you if you get into a rhythm of six or seven burpees a minute, time actually flies by and you you find yourself thinking like, I can't believe how quickly this is this is actually going. How do you have the discipline to stay with something 
for, I mean, that 150 hour race is, so it's over 24 hours of running. Is that correct? This race in particular was broken up. So it had like chunks. So we were, um, so we would just have to run to the next campsite. So it was over a couple of days, Okay. but the hundred miler that I did last year was my goal was to do it in 24 hours. And, um, I would challenge you and say a hunt, you know, one, an hour of burpees sounds like pure torture to me. <laughs> Maybe. <yeah. laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to test myself. Don't put that in my head. Um, but I want to say like, it's probably because you're comfortable, like you've been doing it, right. It's yeah. something that is, is comfortable for you because you know what to expect. And so what if you, the next time you did it, instead of an hour being like, okay, I'm going to challenge myself instead of just doing, okay, last year I did 50. Now I'm going to do 51. Instead of that, just be like, now I'm going to do it for an hour and 10 minutes. Right. Yeah, Longer. Right. I think for me in these races or um, I don't like to say races because they're more just like runs and training sessions. It's more like I told myself I was going to do it. I wrote it down and I committed to it. And so there, the other option is to break a promise with myself Mm. and break a promise. That's non-negotiable for you. You could never do that, right? That is a non-negotiable. I mean, there are things where life happens and there's situations like, especially with kids that it may not look like I want it to look like, Mm. but it's a non-negotiable. And Last year, um, my big thing that I wanted to do for myself personally was to do a last man standing race, right? Tell folks what that is, because I imagine some people don't, I imagine most people don't know what that is. Yeah, no, that's fine. So there's different distances. They're either um, a one mile loop or a four point, I want to say it's 4.3 mild loop and basically you start at one time at all together and then you have so much time depending on the distance to run that loop and then you start the next loop all together so you have to finish and start the loop within a certain time over and over and then as the and mile- you get the, the you get the rest so let's say you have to uh let's say you have 20 mile uh, 20 minutes to finish one loop, uh, depending on the distance. If yeah, you finish it in 16, you get, you get four, minutes four, rest. four minutes to rest, right? But but every single other person, so somebody might finish in 12, they get eight minutes to rest. Somebody might finish in 19 minutes and 30 seconds, they get only 30 seconds to rest. But everybody starts every loop together. Mm-hmm. And if if somebody doesn't finish, remind me, remind us how it goes. If somebody doesn't finish a loop in time, then- what happens then? They're, they're done and everybody continues. So you keep running until you are the last one running. So if it's you and another person running loops, you have to run until they stop. And then you have to run one extra loop by yourself. As like the kind of like the prove you, you, you got it. Yeah. um, And make it, make it within the time. And so my goal last year was to do this race and like I said, I don't typically do races. I did this 151 and then I just kind of just ran by myself um, because I just find it very therapeutic. And 
life happened and my husband ended up being on call and having to work and I didn't have anyone to, you know, stay with my twins, the Gillies and take care of them because it's not like, oh, I'll be done in 18 hours. I don't know when, right? This last <laughs> yeah. man standing, I could be running for 24 hours or 36 or 48. It like, it keeps going until I'm the last one. Yeah. And I remember talking it over with my hubster and saying, okay, well, I can't, I can't do this. Um, but I don't want to give up my goal. And he was like, well, what's your, like, what is your goal? Mm. I was like, well, I want to run a hundred miles in 24 hours, at least mm. bare minimum. That's what I want to do. Mm. And he was like, okay, we'll pick a weekend that, you know, I'm off. And I know <laughs> every year he takes off for my birthday without, you know, it's a non-negotiable for him. And so I was like, I will, I'll run it and I'll just run it solo and I'll make sure that my loop passes my Jeep so I can just stock my Jeep so I don't have to like rely on him or the kids to come support me. It'll be like a self-supported solo 100 mile run, right? I was like, my goal is to finish in 24 hours. And so that's the thing is like, it was a non-negotiable for me. It didn't look like what I planned to do. Mm. I made it happen regardless. And so I think that's a big thing about integrity. People are saying, you know, I did what I said I was going to do. Sometimes life doesn't allow it to happen. And whenever it gets to that point where you realize that you're going to be falling out of integrity or you're not going to be able to keep your word, you adjust and you make the best decision so that you can stay as close to your word as possible. And that's yeah. why I did my race last year. Yeah, there are so many lessons here. And I think that I imagine there are some people listening here who say, um, hey, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow, uh, but then they don't. Or I'm going to start my diet tomorrow, but then they don't. Um, and by the way, uh, I've been there and I'm not, uh, I am not. I have as well, don't worry. Right? Like um, there is something so powerful in the, I said it. And so now there is nothing on earth that will stop it from happening. Even if it looks differently than I, than I thought initially. You know, the other thing that I think it's important here for folks, because I imagine there are some people listening right now who think that what you're talking about is absolutely insane. Uh, even folks who are, who are used to listening to this show and hearing uh, all of our just incredibly inspiring guests, your hundred mile unsupported. I know you said self-supported, but like what we mean by that is like, there's no, like, there's no medical tents. <laughs> There's no like, there's no water stations. There are no porta potties. There's nobody cheering you on. Nobody. Your, <laughs> your self supported or unsupported 100 mile run was in, I just want to be clear, was in northern Idaho in the winter. In well, how, how cold was it? Um, so it was in November in northern Idaho, and the temperatures were about 15 degrees, and we had heavy wind wind gust that day which was not fun it and was so cold that i had um so when i do these runs for me i try to eat as um natural as possible so i do a lot of bananas a lot of sweet potatoes with honey mm. and i remember putting them in my jeep 
and all my gallons of water in my Jeep and everything. And then when I came, like I did my little loop and I was circling back to get some nutrition, all my bananas were frozen. (laughs) I remember like calling the hubster and be like, I need you to come. I need you to bring me an ice chest and put my bananas in it so they don't freeze. (laughs) Like The ice chest would be warmer than... And like, just being out in the open, yeah. I need some insulation for my my bananas. So it was it was really cold. And the thing, and we I think we talked about this before, but it's like when I finished my race, I started at 4 a.m. It mm. was um, my birthday. I started at 4 a.m. <laughs> on my birthday, and I ran. And my goal was to finish at 4 a.m. the following day. That was my goal, and I ended up finishing at 2 a.m. And I remember when I finished, like my my watch beat and signal that I did like my last my last mile. And I remember it was pitch black and there was nobody there <laughs> and there was nobody to celebrate. And it's not like you can call people at 2 a.m. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I did this thing. And it was just like. I've changed so drastically in these last 24 hours i faced so many mental hurdles i i went through the pain cave and came out of it and like i handled all these things and there was nobody to witness it mm. and it made me realize and maybe somebody's experienced this before and they're just like more wise than i am um but it was in that moment i was like how many times have we ran to a person or a client and we just assume they're the same person that we talked to last week or Mm. last month or last year when they could have experienced something, you know, an internal battle that we have no like comprehension of, or, Mm. you know, that we can't really see or don't know about because who I was when I left the house at 4 a.m. was a totally different person than who arrived at 2 a.m. And it was just very like, okay. And I remember when I got in the house, my husband was like laying on the bed, drinking his whiskey. And he was like, Hey, congratulations. I was like, yes, I did it. And, (laughs) and like, (laughs) nobody was there. I was like, I just, I had this huge epiphany and nobody was there. Like there's no, there was no um ticket to like walk through no ribbon to you know walk past no no metal no cheers yeah nothing and it was just my husband waiting for me with like some scotch in his hand and i was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay um and so i think that's that was really important to me to just because i changed and i'm this different person it it helped me see people in a different light like i don't know who they are, where their thoughts are, or how, like what their perspective is going to be today, because I don't know what they went through. And so it just Mm. as a person be more compassionate towards others um, and Mm. not try to put, oh, well, that's how you, that's what you thought last week. Well, you don't know what's happened in that time. And I know some people are like, yeah, that duh, that's an easy lesson. But for me, it was just like, it really made that impact. So every time I have a conversation with someone, I have to remind myself, like, they may have, like, they may not be the same person. I can't expect them to be the same person that I think they are. Even if well, I, talk I think to that's, them. 
I think that that's a great life lesson because, you know, what you experienced in that, in those, you know, 22 or so hours, 24 hours with the, I assume with the travel is uh, like, wow, like transformation just occurred. Uh, now, granted, you, you, you were the catalyst for making it occur, but like transformation can happen this narrative that, you know, uh, like the leopard doesn't change its spots or like just kind of, we are who we are. Like you experienced firsthand what it was like to radically shift your perspective about a lot of things, you know, I mean, in a different way, you know, when my mom passed away, uh, Mm -hmm. it changed everything of like my perspective on everything in my life shifted in that moment. Uh, You had a, like a shift that you self-generated, which is pretty incredible because I bet there are people listening to this right now. And if you listen to this show, you likely have like something in you that's like, I want to do incredible things, even if you're not there yet, or even if you're like doing incredible things in one aspect of your life, but there are 20 others that you're like, well, I'm not, I'm just nowhere near, near where I want to be in those areas. But I, I bet there are some people listening right now who are like, that idea that you can radically shift yourself, like by yourself, it's probably totally foreign. But you did that. You changed, you changed yourself in 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 one day. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, when you say it like that, it sounds incredible. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, yeah. I want to know what your husband's doing drinking uh, whiskey at three in the morning. He was waiting for you. Is that the deal? <laughs> he, was, he was waiting <laughs> to celebrate. And uh, I don't drink alcohol and he rarely does. So it was just, it was one of those surreal moments. Like I just did this thing. Wait, you're drinking scotch? Like what's happening? <laughs> he was like, yeah, I'm celebrating with you. I'm like, okay, well, I need a cold shower. <laughs> like that's all I have to do is to go into like a cold plunge and just recover. What's the recovery like for that? How many days are you off your feet? Um, so I'm a mom, right? And I <laughs> right, ate, right. Um, I I got in and I ate um a hot meal because I was cold I took a cold um a cold I call it a polar bear bath um I did we don't have like a I wasn't going to go outside and do a cold plunge because it was already cold but I wanted to get my legs some reprieve so I did like a polar bear bath where you fill it with cold water and then you put ice in your bathtub um (laughs) and I learned that through Girl Scouts but um we did that for maybe three, four minutes. And then, um, I went to bed, right? Like it was like three 30 in the morning. I finally went to bed. My kids woke me up at seven and they woke me up so that they could have like, cause it was Sunday morning. Like they wanted their pancakes. They wanted to go to church. And so I didn't really have that big of a recovery time. I was mm-hmm. very blessed that my feet, I had no blisters. Oh, I had wow. no, um, I didn't lose any toenails, which happened to me a lot. Um, Mm. And so the only thing was I was really sore in one of my hamstrings. And, but other than that, like within three days, I was back to um, doing workouts, like training sessions. They weren't as intense, but I was, I was starting to move my body on Wednesday. So I, uh, folks, folks won't know this. 
and I didn't know this, but uh, you and I are on a, a text chain together. And the weekend that you did, I just want to remind folks that you did this on your birthday, that your yes. birthday present, your birthday like celebration was, I'm going to run for 22 hours in a row uh, in the dark for much of it by myself in freezing cold temperatures. Mm -hmm. But uh, leading up that silence. your your what'd you say with high winds? In silence. Yeah. In silence. Uh, I oh, didn't have silence. any music or anything. No music. Okay. Just no. up and up in the game here. Um, the that was the same weekend that I ran the Philadelphia Marathon, which uh, you and I are on a text chain together uh, through a coaching group that we're in. And leading up to that weekend, people were writing things like good luck, Amber and Michael this week on your races. And you and I barely knew each other at that point. And uh, I just assumed that you were running a marathon or maybe something shorter. There wasn't a lot of talk about it. People were talking to me a lot about my first marathon. It seemed like it was a, a, a thing that folks were, were interested in. I keep and, quiet. <laughs> oh, what'd you say? I keep quiet with you what I quiet. You keep quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then yours was the, mine was the Sunday. Yours was the Saturday. And it comes through on the text chain that you're running, uh, you're running a hundred, 100 miles in, in freezing cold temperatures. And, uh, it, what it, it totally did was it changed my perspective on what I was doing the next day. I was looking at the, the 26.2. And I, 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 you know, I agree with this idea that everything's relative and, and your hundred miles might be somebody else's 250 and, or somebody else's five. Like I, I, I do believe that in some regard, but the fact that you'd run so far with much, much less support that I was going to get the next day, it gave me this like sense of calm going into the, the marathon. I was very nervous before then. And then once that happened, once you did that, I, um, I just got. I got calm. I was like, huh, like this is going to, this is going to happen today. And uh, so first of all, thank you. Cause it inspired the heck out of me. I'm glad. But, I'm yeah. But second of all, I think it's a good, it's a good lesson for folks out there of just this, like, you know, like, what do you think is possible for yourself? Look around, maybe not in your circle. In fact, probably not in your circle, but there's somebody who is doing it find out who they are. You might never meet them, but like use them as a model, use them to say, all right, well, they're regular like me. If they can do it, I can do it because you did that for me. I imagine others have done it for you. That's a, that's hugely important, right? And it's, it's good to hear because like I said, I don't typically share a lot of what I'm doing um, in that same text thread. Um, my coach was telling me like, I need to share that I'm doing a 50, 50 K. And I was like, no, it's just part of my training. Like, I don't mm. need to share that I'm doing a 50 K with the group. Um, and when I did, cause it's highly uncomfortable for me to share what I'm doing, I tend to stay in my little bubble and just, you know, I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't need to share with other people. But what I learned by sharing is that when I did that, everybody started chiming in of what they were going to do. 
And it got to be like, oh, you're going to do that. Well, I'm going to, you know, I think that day you ran, you cycled for 21, 29 miles. And I was like, oh my gosh. And someone else was like, I did two workouts today, or I'm going to push myself and go for a four hour hike. And it was just, it was amazing for me because it's highly uncomfortable for me to share, but by sharing, everybody started inspiring one another. And so it actually helped me to lean into that uncomfortableness of like, of telling people, oh, this is what I'm going to be doing. Right. Because it, it was just, it was really hard for me. And Amber, what's the opposite of that? What's the, because I've, I've, I've seen you reflect on this. I've heard you reflect on this. What's the opposite of sharing those staggering, super, almost superhuman goals with people when they aren't doing a whole lot themselves or they are down on what you're trying to do? They think it's stupid. They think it's crazy. I mean, you've received feedback like that, right? I did. It was really, it was really hard to hear. And I never want to, and this was another lesson that I learned is that whenever I would get this feedback, like, this is very intimidating for me, your training and what you're doing. And it was, it made me feel like I was causing discomfort to these people, to Mm. people reaching out to me and telling me that, I wasn't inspiring like I hoped I was. Like that was my intention. It's like, look, this person's inspiring me because she's doing X, Y, Z. So I'm pushing myself and I'm doing this goal. And it doesn't have to be, I know we're talking about endurance events, but it could be starting a podcast or writing a book or 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 traveling the world. It could be so many things or asking the girl out for coffee. Like we all have these big goals and dreams in our heart. And if we don't see other people taking action, then how do we know what's possible for ourselves? And I let those people and what they what they said in a negative way to me, like really discourage me from sharing until until I had like, okay, say I was having this conversation conversation with my children, the Gillies, would I want them to stop sharing? Would I want them to stop, like give up on their goals? And we always like, would I make them say, I'm sorry. Right. Cause I am, my kids are in this reflex of always saying, I'm sorry. Um, mm. even if they don't like do anything wrong, they just automatically say, I'm sorry. Mm. And we had this conversation. I'm like, did you hurt that person intentionally? And they're like, no mama. And I'm like, okay, well, did you speak harshly to them to hurt their feelings? Mm. They're like, no mama. I'm like, okay. I was like, well, was your intention coming from fear or anger? And they're like, no mama. I'm like, well, if that's no, then you don't need to apologize. It's not on you. Mm. And Mm. it's like, I'm telling that to my kids, but I'm saying I'm sorry and I'm staying hidden because other people are finding that discomfort and I'm not doing it harshly. I'm not doing it um, to cause any kind of physical, physical pain. And I'm not doing it out of fear or anger. I'm doing it out of love and trying to be inspiring so that they can live their dreams. And so once I realized that I, I stopped hiding and started documenting and actually sharing more of my journey. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, we've had guests on the show before who've shared similar stories. It's not, to your point, it's not usually about endurance or it doesn't have to be about endurance events. It could be you know, starting a business or moving to a new city or, you know, getting into a new relationship or something like that. You know, it feels like the consensus is, and this isn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying anything that nobody, that people don't know, but, you know, the people who are saying things about you are threatened by the action you're taking. They are much more comfortable if you are not doing these incredible things because it doesn't shine a light on the fact that they're not. So they'd rather you stay home or if you're going to do what you're doing, don't tell anybody about it. And I don't say that with judgment. I, I get it. Right? There are times when I'll be on Instagram and I'll see something, somebody doing something absolutely insane and I'll, in a good way, and I'll, I'll scroll past it because I am not in the mental state to accept at that moment that there is somebody who's doing things that are so far beyond what I'm doing. I just, I write, like, I feel like I don't have the mental bandwidth in that moment. Now I'll, I get out of that pretty quickly. I'm pretty good at that at this point. Maybe not great, but pretty good. So I get, I get it. But, you know, and I lived a lot of my life like that, where I'd like keep things hidden and keep things to myself. Like, fuck that. Right. I mean, like, like if you don't like it, fuck off. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, that's what I told the hubster. And um, he was like, your um people are intimidated by your goals fuck them he's like yeah keep doing your stuff and yeah. i don't think they're, i don't think necessarily that they're threatened by me i think it's just when you see people doing all these big goals mm-hmm. um you're like oh i'm not taking any action and you they start reflecting like the fear that's holding like that's tethering them to where they are and i think that's a big thing is that it's not me doing these big things that's making them feel intimidated is that they're not taking the action that they know they need to be. And that's- what, uh, Amber, we're, we're almost at time and I want to oh, honor sorry. your time. Uh, but I, I, and I, I'm going to, at the end, I'm going to ask you to you know, plug your book and, and plug where people can reach out to you for, for coaching. But there's some, there's been a theme on, on this call from you, which is around like your family's, uh, call it understanding, support of, like the things that you do. How how important is it to have to be in whether it's a relationship or to 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 take care of your yourself? I, I get it. You you went to bed at three thirty. Your kids woke you up at seven. I get it. I'm I'm a dad. I know that drill. But like, how important is it, even when you're part of a unit? to still say, here's what I need. And here's, here's what it looks like for me. I don't want to sacrifice my time with my kids because of my goals. Period. Mm. They did not choose for me to run 200 miles in August. Right. They didn't. You're you're doing about you're running 200 (laughs) miles in August. right? Yes. That's one of my goals this year. Um, It's. And so they didn't choose that. Right. So it's not fair for me to sacrifice, like to make them sacrifice because of a choice that I'm making for my personal journey. And I don't mind them um, 
seeing me, you know, with my training, sometimes it overlaps an hour or two here and there. And I don't, I love it when they see me like work towards my goals. I love it when they, they see me making, um, little switches, like with my meals, like, Oh, mom's not going to have that. I'm having this because, you know, mom's got her race and this is the fuel. Like we have these Mm. conversations about it. I don't mind them seeing me take action, but I don't ever want to sacrifice my time with them or things that are important to them as well, because of something that I signed up for. Mm. And so if, yeah, go ahead. But, but I mean, like you, you did, you spent your birthday running right and so there is a there, like there's an understanding that they it sounds like i mean you just shared it like oh mom's got to do x because of because of y uh and you know my kids are and i don't i don't do the i don't do the stuff that you do i'm not i'm not nearly at your level but like i feel like it's important to build that culture in your family that you know we do whether it's we do hard stuff or you know here's what here's what you know um uh, here's whether it's like your family expectations, uh, whatever it is, having a partner who gets like kind of what you need. I mean, there's that, those things feel really important. And when I think about, you know, I know a lot of people and this is, this is no judgment, but I know a lot of people who they don't do what they, what they'd really love to do because their partner is down on it or, um, you know, they, they don't prioritize it. And I think it's really impressive the way you're like, like, I, I mean, I don't sacrifice my time with my kids for my goals. And these other things really matter to me as well. It's really impressive that you do that. It's a tough balance to strike, right? I think it it is it is tough, right? And I think the biggest thing for us and like our little, our family unit, as you called it, is that we have open communication, right? Yeah. Everybody knows exactly like I'm an over communicator. I think that's why it flows really well. Um, I don't want there to be any kind of um, miscommunication. Like they don't know what's happening. They don't know what I'm working towards. Mm. They're 10 years old. Um, every night they, they're like, okay, what's the itinerary for tomorrow, mom? And like, we mm. talk about it like tomorrow morning, we have to get up early because so-and-so has like, my son has jujitsu, right? He has mm. a private session. And he has, um, it's, it's an all hands on deck because he has some gross motor delays. So we go like, it's a family thing. And so my daughter, I'm like, Emma, whenever, um, we call him Bubba, I was like, whenever Bubba's in, (laughs) that's going to be a a lesson for you to learn how to be patient and how to be supportive because that's something that he needs. And like, she has a class later later tomorrow afternoon. And so we talk like, and at four o'clock when you do your lesson, bubs, you're going to have to focus on X, Y, Z. So just being really like, this is what's happening. This is what's important to every person in the family. And this is how we're going to support them. So I think just having that, um, it's really good and having that balance. Cause some days it's like, it feels like some seasons it's really heavy. We're supporting my husband and some days it's, yeah. And, and just knowing like, okay, well, this is their season. This is like this huge goal that they're working towards and we're going to be supportive and we may not see them as much or we not, you know, they may be a little bit frustrated. Um, and, you know, we just need to be su- as supportive as we can. And I think just having that dialogue with everybody in the family has really helped us because when 
when it was my birthday, my kids, like they knew I was going to be gone. Right. And that I was only going to be running by for hot meals at certain times. And so, (laughs) and I would run by and I would have my hot meal and they were like super nice and loving and supportive. And, and then I would go off, but they knew Sunday, no matter how I felt, I was going to be fully present with them. And so they knew to give me my time then because I was going to be fully a hundred percent with them the next day, regardless of how I felt. Mm. We're getting lessons, uh, lessons, uh, aplenty here. And I just think the, the parenting aspect of this too, of, uh, I've shared this on the show before, but, uh, and you know, my parents did a, they did a fine job. Um, you know, my mom, my mom's gone now 22 years. My dad's, you know, he's still alive. He's in Florida, but you know, we, we just didn't have like the things you're doing, the things that I do. My, my wife, she just wrote a children's book. Amazing. It's coming out in the next couple months. She started a, a nonprofit. I'm on the board of it. Like, like that type of stuff, like modeling for our kids, like what's possible. And by the way, your model might be I go to work every day and I'm a good person uh, and I work hard and I support our family or whatever it is. Doesn't You don't have to be a, an entrepreneur or an endurance athlete, but the really intentional moves, the modeling that people, that people get to see, that your kids get to see, man, it's, that is just invaluable. I didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't, I didn't have it. I didn't look to that. We just kind of like went about our went about our daily lives, and uh, man, you are Amber. You're you're inspiring the heck out of me, our audience, but probably most importantly, I'm sure your family is super inspired by what you're doing as well. Um, you inspired me for something that I'm doing in October with your calendar <laughs> of challenges. So. Okay. <laughs> I remember seeing you, and I'm just going to give you a little shout out because I, it's super inspirational to me um, because, you know, yes, I wake up at four in the morning and I go to bed at 930 and I'm I'm like, I feel like that's my little comfort bubble, right? It's how I function the best that I can tackling everything. And then I see you on social media posting about, oh, it's 1230 in the morning. I just landed. I'm home and now I'm going to get my 26 miles in on the bike. And I'm like, Oof. what is doing? I was like, <laughs> I'm like, how like badass is Michael? I was like, this is like a whole nother level. And I realized you were doing a mile for the day. Right. So it was April 1st. You did one mile, April 2nd, two miles. And you yeah, were doing April 30th, 30 miles. Yeah. It's the calendar yeah. club. Yep. And I was like, that is, I was like, honey, I was like, he's just like knocking that out of the park. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. And then I see this other woman on social media and she's like running. I don't even know what day it is. I lost track. It's like up there. It's like over 180 days straight of 50 K a day. And I was yeah, like, I know. Yeah. I've seen her. It's that 50 K is like 31 miles, right? It's yeah, it's a 31 and like some change, but um, I was just like, 
oh my gosh, she's doing this constantly, despite all these other things that she's doing. Michael's over here traveling, speaking at events, still being a rock star, like husband and dad. And I was like, I looked at my hubby at that moment. I was like, you know, you know, it'd be fun. <laughs> he was like, oh God. <laughs> I was like, if I did a 50K a day in October, because October's 31 days and it's 31 miles and I could just do 31 miles a day in October. I was like, I'll be done with my race. I'll have a month to like, you know, get fresh legs and I can just kick off in October. <laughs> so for, I just want to be clear. So for the month of October, 2023, yes, it's May right now. You're going to run 31 miles every day for 31 straight days. Yes. How, how long will 30, how long will running 31 miles take you? Um, it's roughly like six miles an hour. So a little over five, like five every, every day for 31 straight days. Yeah. Yeah. You're an and absolute so, monster. So I was, I was talking to the hubby and he's like, you're gonna have to break that up. I was like, I, cause my kids wake up around seven 30 and I was, mm. I don't want to be running while they're awake. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like, okay, well, if I wake up and I get at least two and a half hours, and then whenever they go to bed, I'll just finish the other two and a half. So I'm probably going to split it. I'm like, I'm kind of debating because I'm like, it's one of those things where like, am I still holding myself in integrity? I'll still be doing it, but it's not going to look like how I want it to look like, right? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the way you're going to, whatever way it looks like, as long as there's no engine involved, I think it's uh, I think it hits the mark. Um, <laughs> you inspired me. Well, I appreciate the kind words and the, and the feeling is is more than mutual. Um, Amber, how can people connect with you if they want coaching? Uh, you coach uh, you coach leaders, coach female entrepreneurs. Uh, you're an author. How can folks find your book? How can they reach out to you? Tell tell us. All the details. All the details. So you can see um, my journey because I'm not hidden anymore, right? On Instagram yeah. at Langley Gill. My book's on Amazon. It's called No Brainer. Um, and then you can always go to my website, which is basically my name, amberlangleygill.com. But if you want to talk to me, I love to voice chat on Instagram. So heads up if you reach out. <laughs> get ready for a bunch of messages coming back your way well amber thank you so much for coming on the show i i uh i'm a bit selfish i i have guests on who i think are going to inspire the audience but you all always wind up inspiring me and this one was just out of the uh, off the charts i'm blown away by by what you do and who you are and uh thanks for sharing a little bit of that with uh with us tonight appreciate it thank you so much for letting me serve I appreciate well, it. Amazing. All right, folks. Thanks to Amber for coming on. Uh, thank you all for listening. We will see you next week, the brand new episode of the Inspiration Accelerator. Until then, have an amazing, amazing week. And do something, do something cool. Do something quiet or run. Do either, here are your choices. Either do something really quiet or run 200 miles. The choice is yours. We'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Please look out for a new episode with a new guest every week. 
This was the Inspiration Accelerator with Michael Sonberg.